You know, a few weeks ago, I began this series by telling you a story about a guy that we called Rick Martin, who it wasn't really his name, but Rick summarized his life as just wanting someone to want him. And we talked about the fact that that's really what all of us want. We want friends who will accept us just like we are. We want colleagues at work who respect us. We want a spouse who's just thrilled that they're married to us. We want to be a part of a team where our employers are like, man, I'm glad you're on this team. I'm glad we hired you. We all yearn to be validated by that person who really means the most to us so that we will know that we're legitimate, that we belong, that we're loved, and that we're wanted. And that is why we are doing this series this summer from the book of Ephesians. Because God, through Jesus Christ, has adopted us into a permanent relationship with him. And he did this in order to show you and me just how much he loves us. And he told us the reason why he did this. He said in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For eternity, God wants you and me to remember that he has given us his overwhelming love and grace. And you might remember that we looked at this word a few weeks ago. We saw that it means to throw something over and that whenever you and I are looking for grace, God doesn't just give us a little appetizer of grace. Remember, he gives us a buffet of grace so that we can have all of the free grace that we want. This is God's way of saying to you how much he loves you. And the Apostle Paul told us why God loves us so much. We looked at this. He said, for we are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. And from a couple of weeks ago, maybe you'll remember that we looked at this word masterpiece. It's only used two times in the New Testament. The first time it was used, it referred to God's creation of the universe. And we saw that this was his masterpiece. This was his magnum opus. This was his greatest work until he created you and redeemed you in Christ Jesus. And we saw, based on what Paul said, not because we were trying to make anybody feel good, but because of what the scripture says, that you are God's magnum opus. You are his greatest work. And that is why he loves you so much. But you know what? Not everyone feels so loved by God. Some of you feel like God is against you. Some of you doubt that there actually is a loving God, that he even exists. And maybe that's because the God you grew up with was nothing like what we're describing. The God you grew up with was angry. He was hard. He was unyielding. He was exacting. The God you grew up with sends people to purgatory if they don't do everything just right. You guys know that I love to go to Whataburger to get a what? Yeah, number two meal, hold, uh, add mayo and hold the cheese, please. Well, 
You have never grown up with a God who would have ever taken you to Whataburger to splurge on a number two meal. He would have never done that for you. The idea that God wants to have a personal relationship with you is completely foreign to you. If there is a God, the only way you have ever experienced him is far off and distant from you. You know what? This feeling about God really isn't a new feeling. When the church was first founded, most of the people that the church came into contact with felt exactly the same way, that God was far off, that he wasn't near. They felt excluded. They had no idea that God wanted a relationship with him. And the primary reason they didn't know that was because no one had ever told them. In the New Testament, these people are called Gentiles. And I want you to look at how Paul described the Gentiles. He said, therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. I mean, look at how these people are described and pick whichever words you want. They're all bad, right? Separate, excluded, foreigners. In other words, the Gentiles were people who had no access to God. If they had cared, if they had wanted to have a relationship with God, they would have had no idea how they could actually do that. And Paul said this resulted in them being without hope and without God in the world. They were as bad off as they could have possibly have been. And you know the thing that stands out most to me in this verse is the fact that they were excluded simply because of their birth. You know, most of us have no idea just how much our birth opens up opportunities for us and, and determines what we know and the chances that we have in life. Some of you were born into a Hispanic Catholic family. You were baptized as an infant. You had a godfather and a godmother and, and you grew up hearing about Jesus your whole life. Others of you were born into a family where God was never discussed. He was never talked about. You never once said a prayer before you ate a meal. You didn't hear God's name. Others of you, we sang earlier about God being a good, good father. And some of you, you can't imagine God as a good, good father because the father in your family, the home that you were born into was so dysfunctional and so abusive that that thought just doesn't resonate for you that God could be a good, good father. And many of you who have served in our military, you've served in Iran, Afghanistan, Iraq, places like that. You know from experience that simply because people were born in that part of the world, they don't have access to Jesus. They don't know about him. They've never heard a story about him. They've been excluded simply by birth. And y'all, we all know that that's wrong, but what many of us don't know or some of us don't know, is that God has made right what was wrong. He has made it possible for everyone who has felt excluded from him to be included with him in the one new humanity that Brent talked about last week, the church, through a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And here's how the Apostle Paul said that that inclusion has taken place. He said, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. This is the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. Now, let's focus in on this phrase, the administration of God's grace. It's like, what is that? Well, this word, administration, is, the, is based on the Greek word oikonomia. And oikonomia is actually a compound Greek word. It's made up of the word oikos, which means house, and nomos, which means law. Literally, we could call it the house law or the house rules. It means God's stewardship. It's the way God organizes and runs his own household. It's God's house rules. Now, you say, well, what are you talking about? Well, let me just give you an illustration. Every one of us in this room grew up in a household where there were house rules in play. Uh, in my own case, my mom, she loved white she loved to decorate with white. And so we had white walls and white couches and white chairs and white carpet. Can you imagine you know, going into a house like that? And I worked up here in you know, Bull Verde at 46 and 281. I worked in construction. I hauled hay. I cut cedar with a chainsaw. I came home filthy every day. And so mom put some house rules in place. And her house rules were that I had to strip off at the back door before I could come in the house. Now, don't, you know, don't dwell on that picture in your mind too long. And I, I get it, and, and I sure better not sit on anything until I had had a shower and put on some clean clothes. Otherwise, I wasn't invited to sit on the white couch. Now, I get it why she had these house rules. I mean, you know, who wants me tracking in grease and all that kind of stuff all over her house? I get that. But the rules felt kind of exclusionary. The house rules felt a little discriminatory. It's like if you're not clean, you can't come in here. And that's how many of you have experienced God. If you're not clean enough, if you're not good enough, if you're not religious enough, you feel excluded from God. It's like God is discriminating against you. But I want to tell you something today. These are not God's house rules. God's house is ruled by grace. And that's what we are seeing in this series this summer. I want you to look at how Paul explained it. He said, in reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. This mystery is that through the gospel, the good news, the Gentiles, the excluded, are heirs together with Israel, members together with one body, and sharers together in the promise that is in Christ Jesus. I want you to notice two things about God's house rules. First of all, they're new. Paul said that it was a mystery. The word mystery means something that isn't known. In Paul's day and prior to Paul's day, no one ever knew, thought, or understood that people who weren't good enough and were excluded could ever be included into this one new humanity called the church that Brent talked about last week. Nobody ever saw that. The idea that God would rule his house by grace 
was a new idea. The second thing I want you to see is that it wasn't exclusionary. God's house rules are, are inclusive. Notice that three times he repeats this word, heirs together, members together, sharers together. God's grace is for everyone. Everyone can be a part. And y'all, that's the reason that City Church exists, so that all people can believe and thrive in Christ. No matter how you've experienced God in the past, whether you thought he was angry with you, out to get you, against you, Jesus came to show. He came to prove that God is for you and that he loves you. And that is why Jesus died for you so that you can have a relationship with your creator on one condition and only one condition. And that is that you personally believe that when Jesus died, he died for you and you personally receive him as your own savior. That is called free grace. And y'all, this is something that some of you have never known before. So if you, if you can kind of identify with Rick Martin and you want to be wanted, you long to belong, you're looking for love, I want to encourage you again today to consider receiving the love of God and entering into a relationship with him. But I also want to ask you another question. If at some point in your life you heard about God's buffet of grace and you received God's grace and you've been a partaker in that, I want to ask you, do you think Jesus only died for you? And the reason I ask this is that I, I think a bunch of us go to church kind of like we go looking for a new car. You know, we're looking for a smoking hot deal, right? And if we can get a smoking hot deal, we're really happy about it. And if you think about God's free grace, I mean, free grace as much as you want, this is a smoking hot deal. But is the smoking hot deal only for you and me? I want us to look at how the apostle Paul answered this question. Look at what he said. He said, surely you have heard. Surely, he said, surely you have heard about the administration, the new house rules of God's grace that was given to me for you. Now don't read through that too quickly. Paul said what? He said, God's grace was given to me. But then what did he say? It was given for you. God gave me grace, but he gave it to me for you. Not everything that is given to you is only for you. But y'all, we have a hard time thinking this way, don't we? I mean, we think if something was given to me, it's for me. You know, Linda and I have been married for 34 years now, and we, uh, the first three years of our marriage we never had a fight. That's the truth. Not a single fight. I'm going to give most of the credit of that to Linda. Thank you. But we had our first fight when for my birthday, my mom sent me one of her homemade red velvet cakes. Now, y'all, we, we had like a thing in our family where everybody 
in the family got a homemade red velvet cake for their birthday. And there were four of us, so we got four a year. And so, it was my birthday, and mom sent me a homemade red velvet cake. And Linda and I had never had a fight until one day we were eating some of it, and she swiped a piece of my cake. <laughs> and I had to mansplain. I don't do that very often, but I had mansplain on that day. No, 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 we don't do that. The cake is mine. You see, Linda thought, well, now we share a name together and we share a house together and we share a bed together and we share a dog together. Surely we share a cake together, right? I had to help her understand <clears throat> that the cake belongs to me. And a lot of us treat God's grace like I treated that red velvet cake. The grace is mine. It's for me. But I want to remind you what the Apostle Paul said. He said that not everything that is given to you is only for you. In fact, the Apostle Paul taught us in this passage today that if you have eaten at the buffet of God's grace... If you've eaten and tasted the cake of his grace, it has implications. And I want you to look at what he said those implications are. He said, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me to preach to the Gentiles, the excluded, the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery. Look at the word that Paul used. This word right here is the Greek word that we get our English word deacon from. It can be translated servant. It can also just simply be translated a helper, one who helps someone else. And Paul said that if you and I have tasted the, the cake of God's grace, if we've eaten from his buffet, that we are obligated to make plain, to shine a light on, that's what the word means, to shine a light on God's grace so that people who have been excluded can be included. And here's what it means. It means that if you have gotten a smoking hot deal on the grace of God, you have to help others get that deal too. Not everything that is given to you is only for you. And y'all, I just want you to let me fuss at you for 10 seconds, okay? It ain't gonna hurt very much. But some of you haven't gotten this yet. Some of you are just like I was with this cake. You're a taker. You think everything is for you and it's ruining you and it's ruining your relationships. Not everything that has been given to you is only for you. And that's why City Church has existed for 26 years, we have existed to help people who feel excluded from God, to be included in a relationship with him, to eat from his buffet of grace, to taste the cake of his grace. And you know, if anything defines us here at City Church, it's this. You know, we're not defined by a lot of things that other churches are defined for. We're not defined by how much money we have. We don't have much money. 
We're not defined by our buildings. I remember a few years ago when one of our pastors went away, I think he went to the Dallas Metroplex area to some conference at a really wealthy church and he walked into their buildings and like he couldn't believe it. And he came back here and he said, this is, we go to church in a garage. It's metal buildings. We're not defined by our buildings. You know what defines us here at City Church? For 26 years, we have made plain to everyone that God's grace is absolutely free. And there's nothing you have to do in order to earn it. You can't earn it and you can't lose it. But we do have to give it away. That's who we are. Grace has to be shared. So when Damaris asks us to give to the San Antonio Food Bank, we give. Whenever you're asked to volunteer, you volunteer. Whenever John and Brent go over to Liberia and they realize that, man, there's a gap in the, in the scholarships, what do they do? They don't say, well, I wonder if the people mind. No, we go into the budget and we make up the difference. Whenever we help in orphans in Mexico, we're, we're showing God's grace. This has to define us. This has to define the kind of people that we are. As a church together, as God's new humanity together, as his masterpiece together through the good works that we do, but also you and me in our everyday lives. Well, why is it so important that we give this grace away? Well, look at what the Apostle Paul said, and I think this is going to surprise most of you. He said his intent was that now... Through the church, the one new humanity that Brent talked about last week, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Well, who is that? Who are the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms? This phrase, in the heavenly realms right here, translates one Greek word that Paul uses 12 times in all of his writings in the New Testament, but he uses it five of those 12 times in the book of Ephesians, which means it's a really big deal. And that cake's so good, I just keep getting saliva everywhere. Sorry about that. <laughs> and then he says, so he's talking about in the heavenly realms, this isn't on earth, this is somebody watching you and me that he calls rulers and authorities. Y'all, this is a reference to angelic beings, both fallen and loyal to God, who are watching you and me. We are being watched by beings that we don't even know are there. They want to know what you and I are going to do with grace. You know, a lot of you know that Linda and I took our family to Africa. We, we lived there for 17 years as missionaries. And one of the things that happened as a result of that is we missed all the TV shows from the 90s. I, I don't know anything about Friends. <laughs> Can you believe that? I don't know anything about it. And Star Trek. The only thing I know about Star Trek is that right there. And I learned that in the second grade, right? So like when this latest Star Trek came out, I didn't even care because I hadn't seen any of the other Star Trek movies. And so you might be surprised to hear that in the last couple months, Linda and I have started watching Madam Secretary on Netflix on her computer because we don't have a TV and cable. And so... 
Uh, in fact, we like it so much that she started going to the library. You know, that's that place where you used to go get books. <laughs> well, you can get DVDs there now. Some of you are going to want to go, right? And so you can get them like for free. And so the thing about these shows, Madam Secretary, is it always ends like with a cliffhanger, right? So that when you get to the end of it, it's like, oh, God, I want to watch the next one. And we'll watch three in a row at night. Now, I know some of you have been doing that for your whole life. It's new to us. But I have become a binge watcher of TV. Well, the angels, Paul said, the angels are binge watchers of how you and I handle God's grace. Every time you show grace to someone who doesn't deserve it, because that's what grace means, right? God's undeserved favor. Every time you show grace to someone who doesn't deserve it. Every time you tell someone about how God's grace is making you thrive. Every time you pray for one of your children to someday experience the grace of God in Jesus. Every time you give your money to help others hear the gospel. Every time we send a team to Mexico to help orphans there or we send a team to Liberia to help the excluded there. Every time that someone who thought that God doesn't love them, that he doesn't care anything about them, that he could never accept someone like them, hears from you that they are his masterpiece, his magnum opus, his greatest work. Every single time that you give away grace, the angels are amazed. And they are binge watching God's grace in action. And you know what they end up doing? When you and I give away grace, they give glory to God. They praise him. And they aren't the only ones. Your family and friends are amazed when you give away grace. Guys, your sister-in-law. You know how hard it is to get your sister-in-law to like you? Give away grace. Your cousin, your grandmother, people you don't even know are watching you. And what you do with God's grace, when you give it away, will be amazed. We're being watched. God has made us together one new humanity. He's made us the church. He's made us his masterpiece. And he created us to do good works. And if we don't get this right here at City Church, we'll just become one, one more failed church on a busy street corner that is irrelevant to the people who need God most. And so here's what I'm asking you to do today. If you have tasted the cake of God's grace. If you've eaten at his buffet for free, I'm asking you to give away the grace that you have received. Not everything given to you is only for you. If you know someone who is excluded, maybe they're a friend, they're in your rotation of people that you see all the time, Invite them to, be a, to come to City Church to experience some of God's grace. If you've never given, you hear us talk about giving, every, but you've never given, give to help other people hear the gospel. If you, like me, have tended to be a taker that hogs everything for yourself, change that this week and go out of your way to give grace away. The cake is not just for you. It has to be shared.
It's God's new house rules. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a God who has proven your love for us. And Lord, as your people, I pray that we would share grace. Lord, for those who have come today and maybe you have felt far from them and they've been skeptical, even if you exist, Lord, I thank you for their presence here today. And whatever you're saying to them, I pray that you'd help them along their journey to maybe come to a point where someday they could believe in Jesus and enter into a relationship with you. We thank you for doing that for us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.